Before we jump into Chiefs Raiders, want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to Amateur Hour. Want to thank Joel Thorman and Arrowhead Pride. Uh, we are asking everybody to hop over to iTunes when the episode comes out. Don't stream it. Go home, get on your Wi-Fi, download the episode. It makes a big difference for us. Um, and we are going to properly set the table for Thursday Night Football. We will be out there, as will the Santos clan. If you guys want to come by the tailgate, try to hit us up on Twitter before Thursday afternoon. Because it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough out there. You know that Wi-Fi connection's hard out at Arrowhead. And it's going to be real cold, and we're going to be real drunk and rowdy. So let's go Chiefs, and let's talk some football. Football! From the minds of Ryan Scott Hall and his darkness, and presented in part by Arrowhead Pride. Lamar Hunt, Arrowhead Stadium, tailgating, Marty Ball, and King Carl. Marcus Allen, Montana Magic, Mile High Miracles. Oh, baby, what a play. Derek Thomas and Neil Smith, Casey Wolf, Jason Whitlock, and Joe Piznanski. Dick Vermeil, Trent Green, Tony G, Priest Holmes, the greatest offensive line ever assembled, and even the no-punt game. Herm, then Haley and Pioli and the Patriot Way, 27-7, and 7, Candy Wrappers, Romeo, and Airplanes. Be safe and be easy. Andy, Alex, DJ Specials, Puff Puff Pass Rush, Travis Kelsey, Jamal freaking Charles. We're Raider haters. We despise the donkeys, and red is always our Sunday best. If Home of the Chiefs gives you chills, you're in the right place. If this song means touchdown, you're in the right place. Whether you're in Kansas City, Bogota, London, Moscow, or Memphis, right now, it's football season. And buddy, you're listening to Amateur Hour. Welcome into Amateur Hour, folks. You've got Ryan Scott Hall and that dude is darkness. What's up? So, uh, whoa, 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 hang on. Before we go, before we go, I want to talk to you about something real quick, Dirt. Talk to me. Um, so, I, I have entitled this introduction, like, Chief's Identity. It's an identity intro. Mm. And I feel like some of the things that we have seen in 2016, man, like, do I, I need to change this intro. <laughs> I need to be putting some new stuff in here. I mean, good lord. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, let's, uh, but I, we're definitely going to talk about the Raiders. I know that a lot of people are probably here to talk about the Raiders. On a short week, it's tough to spend too much time on what was a really incredible win on Sunday. Uh, so we want to at least give the Chiefs their due for what they did in Atlanta. Um, so with that, I'll actually give you the floor, Dirk. Well, I, I hear you. I mean, I... I am with the people. I, I went on my Sunday night stroll through the neighborhood, which I started taking every Sunday night. Uh, kind of gives me a chance to just get away from everything and throw the headphones on, walk through the city, and let me think about the game that happened, like what was most important, everything like that. And all I could think about was the Raiders game on Thursday. That's yeah. all I could think about. And I mean, the game, the Atlanta game was fantastic. It was awesome. And all I could think about was the Raiders game. And it's, it's just that important of a game. It just doesn't... I mean, we bought tickets a while, a few weeks out. 
and it's I can't wait to get there. I, I can remember walking after the Tampa Bay game, like I can't wait to be an Arrowhead. Like I want to support this team. I want I want to throw myself behind them. And then since then, all we've done is had two of the most amazing wins of my Chiefs lifetime. So it has been amplified. It's in it amplified. I gotta tell you, man. Like I I'm obviously in the exact same boat. Um, you know me. I live for Chiefs Raiders. Um, I feel like on this podcast, I, yes, I am. I am the Broncos hater. You are the Raiders. Hater. Right. We've kind of we've had like a differing of opinions, not like in a in a you know difficult way, but um, you know I grew up on Marty's Chiefs. I went to Schottenheimer University, and so like I laid in bed this morning, ended up tweeting out YouTube videos talking about like the history of the Chiefs Raiders rivalry and getting to listen to Marty. Just like his rhetoric about hating the Raiders. They disrespect you. They don't care who you are. They don't think you're any good. Like, I mean, I was reading some things today about how, like, the trainer during the years when Marty was running the team would be forced to, like, wear a Raiders hat during Raider Week just to piss him off on purpose. And it's like... Marty, all he had to do was just walk up to somebody and tell them, anyone in the office, the secretary named Marjane sitting up front, Marjane, it's Raider Week, and everybody knew what that meant. And it's it's lost its luster. It has. I mean, the, the Raiders haven't had a winning record since, I think, 2002. It's been a long time. Uh, that'll, that'll take some of the luster they've out already, of it. Yeah, and they've secured it already. I, I think a lot of it is... I think you grew up watching with your dad, yeah. who was a Chiefs fan. I, I grew up kind of watching with my friends, mm-hmm. so I'm more of a uh, present-day Chiefs fan, I guess you could say, and you have more of a historical sense, whereas his generation grew up hating the Raiders. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no there's no contest there. I'm watching throughout the late 90s and 2000s when the Broncos have kind of had our number, you could say. Uh, they've been the ones in our way most of these years, most of our adult years. Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, let's let's at before least, we get to that. Yeah, let's, let's take some time on Atlanta. Break down a few things. It deserves it. Yeah, frankly. Um, first off, my biggest takeaway from this team or this game was this team, man. I I just fucking love them. I love them. I can't get over it. I haven't been this smitten about a team since the Vermeil days. You're like, so smitten, in fact, that we had like a five-minute debate on which word you wanted, um, yes. and, it, and it came down to smitten. Yes. And you guys were of no help. I had to come up with it on my own, <laughs> throwing out terrible ideas, like, nope, smitten. That was a great tweet, by the way. Um, but but since, I, I couldn't, I've always thought to myself, like, I love those Vermeil teams. Like, I think about all the collection of players on the team, and the present-day Chiefs never really even approached it. I was just always up all about that squad, you know, Priest and Rofe and Shields and Richardson and Jason Dunn, Tony Gonzalez. I'm naming all offensive players, obviously. Because we didn't have a defense, right? <laughs> but I just love them all. I came to absolutely adore them. And I didn't know if it was because I was coming of age, and you know, I'm around, you know, 14 to 19 in that in those days, so it's just like had a bigger impression on me. But this team, man, it's getting up there. The collection of guys on this team... I just love them. And I think it comes with the type of wins that we've seen this season. I mean, I can list the four of them pretty easily. It's the 17-point comeback against San Diego. It's the Carolina. Was that also a 17-point comeback? Was it, or 14, maybe? Anyways, the game was pretty much over, and we came back and won that one, too. I think it was 17, because that's when that stat came out, that we had more come from behind 
at like 17 point deficit wins yeah. than the rest of the league combined. Yeah. Right. Um, then you got the the eight point final drive against Denver, and then this week against Atlanta, and it's all games where it's just. I mean, this game wasn't like those where it's like it seemed over, mm-hmm. but all of them you just sit back after that we win and are just amazed. Like, how the hell do we win that? Like, there's something different about this year's Chiefs. Like, they feel tougher. Um, and I would argue that's that's been accumulated from overcoming 1-5 and five last season. Like, it's just been built into us that, like, they literally believe they can do anything. Like, this team believes they can win the Super Bowl, and I kind of believe they can win the Super Bowl for the first time in you know, X amount of years since Andy Reid's been there. And I guess that's easy to say because we've seen the other teams not win the Super Bowl, but they never, I never felt like they had greatness in them. I feel like this team has some greatness in them. I mean, I would, to to maybe, uh, to maybe try to finish that, that argument for you, I would definitely say it's the first time that anyone has probably had confidence, real genuine confidence, that this team could win the Super Bowl since Dick Vermeil was here. No one had that confidence when Hearn was here. No one had that confidence when Haley was here. Like, it just, it didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, we spent 10 years just trying to get back to relevance. and Right. So, um, so I mean, I would, I would say that some of the things that this team has done, not even just, just uh, specifically in 2016, but think about the time in Andy Reid's tenure. They start out, Andy Reid's first nine games, they don't lose. Yeah. And then and then coming they, off a two and fourteen season. Right. And then they finish the year one and five. Um so then twenty four two, two and two and five. Yeah. Right. So then then they come in the next year and the theme of the season that gets put out there is finish. And they don't make the playoffs. And so then when you come out and you start one and five and you're able to weather the storm and rattle off ten straight wins plus a win in the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, 30 to nothing, mind you, on the road, and then fight a tough game in New England, but I don't know how, I mean... No, but I think I think the players have a justifiable excuse in their minds, like, we didn't have our guys. Yeah. We didn't have Justin Houston. We didn't have Jeremy Macklin. We didn't, we didn't have Justin, or Jamal Charles. We didn't have Spencer Ware, either. We didn't have like, Spencer Ware. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I feel like they're telling themselves that. Like, we were robbed of this last year. We could have done it. And the good showing helps that. Um, but they feel like, okay, let's come back healthier. Let's retool a little bit. And next year is our year. And I know even earlier this season, you would occasionally kind of parse back and forth with Mellinger saying, I would take last year's Chiefs over this year's Chiefs. And I don't know if you still feel that way. Um, I, I don't do. want any comments about Sean Smith. Let's just leave Sean Smith out of this. How can I answer but, that question without bringing but, up the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL? In the, huh. Well, I mean, listen, this is this is. I would still take last year's. Yes, I think last year's defense was. Well, damn it. No, you don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd still take last year's. So here's here's the thing about 2016. Um, but I, I know, think this year's tougher. This year's team has a, a, a better attitude, more mentally tougher. Right. The crazy thing about this team is that I do feel like, uh, pardon the hyperbole, but, dude, they've been building to this. It's year four. And I feel like, you know, like, you look at, like, 
I'm, I'm going to make a fun cross-sport comparison. Let's make some fun. Do you remember uh, in Major League when they're starting to turn the corner a little bit and old manager Lou Brown says, Starting to come together, Pepper! Starting to come together! <laughs> like That's not only a cross-sport comparison, that's a cross-reality comparison. Right, of course. <laughs> I mean, but that, that famed Indians team from Major League. Yes. Um, but, I mean, that's that's what I feel like we're seeing. And something that I heard... On, I wanted, I had to, I think it was Danny and Karen's, and that's pretty much the only radio show I listen to, um, that I think, I think can't be overstated because we have really, since the guy was drafted, completely deflected on him and done everything we can, I think, to devalue him in one way or another. He's been one of the most hotly debated and contested players inside of Kansas City, despite his national accolades, is Eric Berry. And where Eric Berry is right now, the way that he was described uh, by by Danny and Carrington is that he's reached this like mythical status, like in the locker room. The way that they talk about him, unprompted. Actually, it wasn't Danny and Carrington; it was the Star Podcast. Mm-hmm. I now correct myself. I retract my earlier statement. That's cool. We'll delete. We'll edit that. It's fine. Um, but that's. I mean, these are all the people that are working for the paper that get to be in the locker room as much as anybody and. That's what they were talking about was like, you know, the kind of leadership and just like the status that this guy has brought to the table. Everyone status? Always, yeah. Status? Status? Whatever. Status? Are we mincing words here? Coopin? We're going to quabble over pronunciations? Um, <laughs> status. <laughs> but, but the way that it seems like the team is talking about and certainly the way that Eric Berry has played, you know, certainly over the last few weeks, like... That guy really is the heart and soul of that football team. He is. He absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, just watch the locker room videos, which are, you know, the best minute of my week, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Fam on two, one, two, fam! (laughs) How about those Chiefs? (laughs) I love that they do it, because, like, that's the best thing to do, like, at a tailgate, is just yell Chiefs over and over with, with, you know, the long, drawn-out, hard eye. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I'm glad the team has embraced that. But yeah, uh, I mean, if you want to talk Eric Berry right now, it's not. I don't necessarily need this conversation. To no, okay, Eric Berry, okay. But I'm I just you. you're talking about embracing this team in a way that we haven't before. And I almost think that like Eric Berry is is kind of the poster boy for that. Exactly. Like, I mean, he's the perfect encapsulation of the team's toughness. Like this dude yeah. overcame cancer and is now playing maybe the best football. I mean, we, we called last season he's, the best year of his career. He's, he's playing the best football of his career. It's I mean, the last three weeks, there's no yeah. debate. Right. <laughs> uh, I think he, he was pretty quiet these first six, seven weeks. It's funny, because now he's mentioned as a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and it's basically just been a three-week absolute onslaught. And I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong, because he's made he's, he's won a couple games for the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, another thing that uh, I point to when I look at toughness, winning on the road. That's something that's kind of burdened this team uh, throughout their recent history, at least. They kind of rely on Arrowhead. Like, let's go 7-1 and one at home and 3-5 and five on the road, and then we're 10-6 and six and make the playoffs. Like, that's kind of been the mantra of the Chiefs. Whereas now, they're going on the road and, and as, as underdogs and winning these games, and it's just, it's amazing. It's something I'm not used to. Like, even... Go back to the Vermeil days. That team didn't win on the road. They'd go eight and zero at home and four and four on the road. Um, it's just, it's it's a huge deal. And and I would go as far as to say, as recently as four weeks ago, 
I would have said this team had no chance to win three playoff games and go to the Super Bowl. No chance. And now I think it's possible. Like, I think this team, that's, that's a realistic possibility. It's still not likely, um, but before I've, I've seen this team go and beat, you know, who they beat on the road? Oakland, Carolina, Denver, Atlanta, all these teams on the road. I'm buying into it. I, I think this team has it in them. If it happens, if we drop this game to Oakland and we lose the division and have to go win three games on the road, I don't think it's an impossibility anymore. Whereas you would ask me four weeks ago, I would have said zero chance. Well, and one of the interesting things right now with the Chiefs is that in seasons past, um, and, and we even morphed this conversation a little bit into like D Ford a little bit, when I said D Ford is the Chiefs, because who have they beaten? Well, this year, the Chiefs have three losses. Who haven't they beaten? The Chiefs have three losses this year. Um, and I know that everyone will probably point back to the Texans game because the Texans aren't very good. But the Texans are a 500 football team right now that although they may play in um, a, a competitive but bad division, yeah. they're 500 and they're tied for the lead in their division. The Texans are a somewhat favorable playoff team. Yeah. Like yeah. They're, 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 they're the favorites to win the ASC South right now. Right. So... And the other two teams that they lost to, Tampa Bay, 7-5. Pittsburgh, 7-5. Tampa Bay on the rise. As is Pittsburgh, despite the injuries and stuff that they've been able to weather. Like, Pittsburgh has, like, the third best Super Bowl odds, and they're, they're not in the playoffs today. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Chiefs, don't get me wrong, you're mad about the Tampa loss, and you're mad about the Houston loss as far as potentially trying to garner the number one or number two seed. But the teams that the Chiefs have lost to... There isn't that, oh my god, how did we lose to a team that's picking in the top ten in the draft? And the games that they have won, this team, I think that the phrase that you're looking for, the, the buzz phrase, they're battle-tested, Dirk. Oh, yes. I mean, they are. They are. It's, and, it's, and it's not just the teams that they've beaten, it's the way that they've beaten them. And even though, I guess, you know, people want to maybe talk about style points, like, I guess we do kind of have style points, but... We're not blowing teams out. We're not going out and destroying them. But they are showing an immense amount of toughness. And we're still in that place where I said Chiefs fans have one of two options. You either believe that there are problems that this team can overcome, they can get better, or you think that like it's just a flawed team and they're screwed, essentially. And I think that what you're watching is a team that, although they may have flaws, they are definitely overcoming them and you have a large enough sample size to believe that they might be able to continue to do it, but they still have the ability to get better. I look at the players on this roster, specifically on this offense, the one unit on the team that has continued to struggle, and I still have no reason to doubt their ability to perform better than they have. That's that's kind of a lot of the arguments I was making after the Tampa Bay game. Remember when the season was over after that, after that loss? Yeah. Um... We've seen this. We've seen this team do it before, and a lot of the same people are still there. So you know it's they're capable. It's not like we don't know if these guys are good enough to actually do this. We know they're going to do it. We know they're good enough to do it. They just haven't necessarily done it the uh, the last few weeks. And uh, Spencer Ware, fourteen carries, twenty nine yards. On him, my theory: running backs are so fragile. He picked up that concussion. 
he had the fumbling issues. All of a sudden, he's not running over people anymore. He doesn't really want to take those hits on, which he was delivering before this. And he's kind of, the fumbling might be still be in his mind. Maybe I'm going to go down a little bit quicker than try and battle for these extra three or four yards. But I mean, Spitzer Ware's uh, production has definitely been um, not, not, not good the last couple weeks. I mean, it has to be better. Um, I don't, I don't know how to talk about being better at running the football. I think that, um, the early portion of the season, even up until a few weeks ago, you and I were really worried about stopping the run. And over the last few weeks now, I think it's become painfully obvious that the Chiefs are really struggling to run the ball. Um, I... One thing that I wonder, we've always talked about trying to put, you know, the the best players on the field. And knowing that Spencer Ware is still, I would say, likely in some way, shape, or form beaten up. Um, I don't think that Sharkhandrick West is fully healthy either. He just still seems to be laboring with the hip injury. Obviously, Jamal not in the picture. Nile Davis, frankly, no offense, Nile shouldn't be in the picture. No, He's not when he was getting carries, special teams, and well, it seemed like they just didn't have an option. It's like we have to put a healthy body on the field. But when they handed him the ball, I said it during the Atlanta game, they gave him a handoff, and I was like, it seems like the team is reluctant to hand him the ball. And every time they hand it to him, I'm worried he's going to fumble. Yeah. I'm like, why are don't don't even give him that opportunity? Yeah. I mean, even though um, he's only gaining a yard or two a touch. I mean, running backs are just they're just a frail thing. They come and go. This is why you never pay them. It's just it's such a to, takes such a toll on your body. It does. And you just have to be of the mindset like I'm not going to get hurt today. I'm going to run over people. And if Spencer Ware gets that concussion, and now he's kind of worried about read some stuff about concussions. Uh, yeah. This kind of stuff. Now he's like, well, I I don't know if I want that anymore. Like now I'm a little bit scared of what's going to happen to my body, what's going to happen to my head, and that can't be in your mind if you're going to be a successful running back. No, it can't. Um, There's also, um, sorry if you're going to add more to add more to add to that, but I think the Falcons were legitimately putting eight in the box pretty much every play. I I, I went back and read the tweets of that game and Trez. Tweeted multiple times, the Falcons are in single high safety, daring the Chiefs to throw this ball. Yeah, and they yeah. they were, and and the Chiefs ended up being successful at it. Yeah. Um, a couple thoughts on potential solutions. Uh, my first thought was, and this is, I would say, the least likely option, but might perhaps be the best option. When we've seen Zach Fulton play center. He has been a much better player than than when he's played at guard. Yep. We haven't seen Mitch Morse play anywhere else. No. Mitch Morse had a slow start to the year. This is mostly according to PFF mm-hmm. because I don't know what's going on there. Right. He had a most. He had a pretty slow start to the year. He's had a very strong, you know, last five six weeks. I I would really like. I had mentioned trying to put the best players on the field. I think that the Chiefs' best five offensive linemen. Includes having Zach Fulton play center, having Mitch Morse play guard, and probably having Jaw Reed be a starter. Now that means that your backup offensive linemen that are active are both interior players, so they will not do it. And I know that 
people that know more about the offensive line would say, you can't just move guys from tackle to guard and blah, blah, blah. You know what? I don't fucking care. Well, I'm, not, I'm not into offensive line logic. I'm into, I want to see the best five guys that play what seems like the most aggressive football. And I know that if you end up... Zach Fulton is clearly, he has been more effective at center. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that. Yes. I don't know if that means that Morse would be worse, but I think that we can definitely say at this point, I think everybody should feel pretty confident that Ja Reed would be a better player on the field than one of the two guards. Yeah, I think there's a much simpler solution. I don't I don't think you mess with Morse because I think he's young he's your and he's center. You solid and, he's, and yeah. he's doing good. So you leave him there, and I would just, I mean, I would look at putting Ja Reed in over Fulton mm-hmm. if you think that's the problem area. You also have to think maybe this team is just built to protect the passer more than they are built to run block. Yeah, they're not they're not because like a their power pass blocking team. their pass blocking has been much, much better this year. It's been really good for the most part. Yeah. Alex that's, takes sacks. Some of that is a lack of And that's even with Shorts dealing with this injury, we hope, because he's yeah. had a bit of a down year, at least mm-hmm. compared to his last year. Right. Um, but but I'm with you on that. The the second option that I would present to you, um, and and this is uh, a place that you visited before what about Dad Island? We're trying to. I find... don't know if he's going to play left guard. I don't. No, I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> we're trying to. We're trying to put some energy into the run game, and DeAnthony Thomas oh. scored forty-eight collegiate touchdowns. Don't get me wrong; at a really high-tempo Chip Kelly offense in Oregon in the Pac-12, where nobody plays defense, but DeAnthony Thomas was a running back, and last week. He only got to touch the ball one time on offense. It was a handoff. He had 24 yards on it. Now, it was a reverse handoff. I get it. But I'm just trying to look at other options as far as running the football is concerned. Yeah. And Everybody deserves to be evaluated. And if Spencer Ware, if you think he's the problem... I don't think he's necessarily a problem. I'm just looking at, like, give me some energy in that run game. Yeah. I do think they desperately miss the big playability of Jamal out of the backfield. As compared to Spencer Ware, who's yeah, his big plays earlier in the year all came in the passing game, mm-hmm. which was I think I think it was just more of a fluke than anything. Um, but you're not getting the long runs. I think his longest run of the last two weeks is eight yards, uh, and you, you need more than that. Well, I would say that in my opinion, I feel like DeAnthony Thomas has earned the opportunity to play more on offense. However it is that you want to use him, he's working his tail off on special teams. He's been really effective in the opportunities that he's gotten on special teams with the ball in his hands. Um, and on the season, D'Anthony Thomas, six targets and three carries. I mean, nine offensive opportunities during this season. And he was inactive for like the first four games. And then not registering even special team snaps for another three or four after that. He is working really hard to be able to play a role in some way. And I think that even as a rookie, he established himself as a weapon for this team. I'm with you on that. And that's why I didn't want to get rid of him in training camp when everybody else out there did. Yeah. He just, he's got talent. And maybe we haven't found the best way to use that. But you don't just release talented players like that. You keep trying to figure something out. Yeah. And uh, I, I do think he can be a good piece. And if he's figured out the gutter game yeah. well enough. I mean, he laid a stick. Last week, and then we we debated the merits of he played running back in college. Does that teach you the ability to hit? But he laid the wood, man. Yeah, and he's like yeah. 160 pounds. He's he's lighter than me. 
Uh, and you guys know I'm a freight leader. Right. <laughs> Option C is Darren Reeves, who they've been carrying on the practice squad. Everybody liked to He's watch him there. in the preseason. Um, and the reason that apparently they didn't bring him up when they had signed Bishop Sankey is because he wasn't quite healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're... Figures. The, the team, yeah, of course. The team is... is in a unique position, I think that people probably um, just for you listeners out there that are like, "What about Jamal?" Um, don't don't expect Jamal to be the guy that they like bring back from IR in the playoffs. I, I haven't just, heard anything about it, but that would be awesome if they did. Right, but I mean, I don't. I just don't. I don't. Don't expect that. That'd be fantastic. Don't expect that. I, I didn't really care that much because Spencer Ware was balling so hard, <laughs> and he was you know starting his MLFL MVP campaign, which has really taken off. I think it's tailed off. No, it, it had really taken off. Oh, okay. Now it's really screeching to a halt. Okay, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think he's going to win MVP. I'm, he, I'm sorry, Ryan. I, I steered you. That's I, all right. I, um, I, I think it, I want to say that was last year when that we was made all of our uh, like predictions and stuff that I picked Junior Gallette to be the defensive player of the year, and he got cut in like week three because he got in a, I don't know, a DUI <laughs> or something. Good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. A few other things on this game, um, and then we'll get to the Raiders. Um, I need to give Andy Reid some more credit. Uh, we kind of opened the show a few weeks ago. I was talking about his game management had improved. Um, we saw some risky Andy this week. Um, goes for that fourth and one, throws for a touchdown on it. Um, that fourth and two, they sprint up to the line. Uh, I feel like he might have stolen it from Ohio State. I've seen them do that multiple times this year. Not that they created it or anything, but every fourth and short, Ohio State just sprints to the line. And the defense either isn't ready and they just run it right at them, or the defense calls a timeout every time. Okay. It's just it's just really difficult because you're waiting for the call from the D coordinator. They're already lined up, knowing what they're doing, and then they're pushing you, and you're just not set and ready to push back. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. Uh, so he, he sucked the timeout from them and then came back out in the punting formation and did the fake punt, which was beautiful. Uh, and then we stuffed the Falcons on that fourth and one. I feel like the game really came down to those three fourth and ones. Both offenses were kind of moving at will, and uh, we we converted on both the fourth downs, and they missed on theirs. I think feel like that was the uh, big difference. The Chiefs are in the game. nine of eleven on fourth down this year. I didn't know that we had gone for it eleven times. He's eleven times in twelve games. Andy, man, he's, he's, he's dropping his balls on the table, and people have dude. said Riverboat Andy, and I'm like, come on, can we just go with Riverboat Reed? Because that sounds better, right? <laughs> right? That's obvious, is it not? <laughs> And if he wants to be up there at Riverboat Ron, he needs to bench his quarterback for a play and see how that works out. Yikes. Um, but Andy Reid, I, I think it's legitimately possible. I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or just uh, off the show, but that he looked at himself in the mirror after that New England game last year and just kind of, how can I get better on this? Mm-hmm. Like there's so much noise about it, and it seemed like he legitimately didn't know the, what he did wrong, and everybody just hammered him for it. And he's like, am I actually doing something wrong here? And it's almost like he looked in the mirror and tried to figure this out, which is an amazing thing to do for a super successful head coach that's in his, what, 20th year? As um, yeah, almost 60 years old. And He's um, just amazing. I, I, I just, I, I just want to hug Andrew Reed. He's so awesome. Yeah, he is. He's so awesome. He is. I, um, I want the Chiefs to win a Super Bowl for Andrew Reed. Is that fair? Yeah. Who's the, who's the first person you're happiest for if the Chiefs win a Super Bowl? Besides me. Uh, well, me. Uh. Um, but but then, yeah, Andy. And then Tomba. Yeah. 
And, and that's, honestly, that's the correct order. And honestly, I think I think after that, I mean, it's it's a tie between DJ and Alex Smith. And yeah. I have like less loyalty to Alex Smith than most of the people on the team because he's like sort of an outsider. Well, we all kind of, but like I also almost I I feel a kinship to Alex in some way. Well, we all kind of shit on him. Think <laughs> of if we win the Super Bowl, that's him coming through in the biggest of ways. Nobody can shit on him after that. <laughs> I would I would love to just like see the kind of reactions that people would have to. To handle, oh, it'd be so fun. Um, I I want to at least take a moment. Uh, you guys have the, those of you that listen on a weekly basis. I'm sure that you probably think that at times we're just like name dropping, but um, guys like Danny Parkins and Carrington and Nick, like these are friends of ours, and I I really do want to thank Danny for at times taking conversations that we have with him and like bringing it. To the air, yeah, and he and he did that today, yeah. Um, that yeah, me and him were texting about that last night for quite a while. That's where the conversation originated, right? And I mean, I just i th- I think it's really cool to be able to engage with those guys who we really look up to, um, and and then be able to have some of those conversations that happen sometimes completely organically and, and ultimately, like you know, may end up on a much bigger platform than what we've got. Yeah. So. Um, you know, can't can't thank those guys enough. For yeah, it'd be easy for them to just write those off as their own ideas. And yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's he's never, literally like never. you know calling you out by name and then like saying, "Hey, great, it's a great podcast. Listen to it." You know, like that's that's awesome stuff. It's awesome stuff. Let's do a quick deep dive. The deep on the, the deep Falcons dive. game before we dive into the Raiders game. You got it. Take a dive at this point. Sufficiently deep enough for this statistical look. Uh, got a few things to, to bounce off of you. Um, some of these were getting run because I tweeted them out on Sunday night. And then I got a stat on the defense, and I want to get your take on it. See if it concerns you. Uh, first off, the penalties from the game. Uh, 13 for 128. The last time the Chiefs had more than 128 penalty yards was the 1998 Monday Night Meltdown. Mm. Um, and your fun stat from that? During the same time frame, the Raiders have done it eight times. <laughs> <laughs> I did see the stat from um, our, our buddy Mellinger's article today, kind of prepping Chiefs Raiders, that said the Raiders had like, I don't know if it's 600 more penalties or 600 more yards in penalties than any other team in football history. It was like a wide margin huh. by like from 30, 30 We were talking about that whatever. in our living room on Sunday. It's just everything changes about the Raiders except their ability to make penalties. It's just like they lead the league in it every year. No matter who's the head coach, no matter what the team is, yeah. no matter if they're good or bad, they're going to lead the league in penalties. It's, yeah. it's truly amazing. Uh, how about first downs? The Atlanta Falcons, 32 first downs on 66 offensive plays. That... That dumbfounded me. That's almost a first down on every other play. Um, that's so only what been was, dumb- What did that make like their yards per attempt or yards per play yards per play? Uh, I don't know. Uh, don't really, got that. Really high. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I don't think because they weren't getting chunk plays, so I don't think the yards per play were that high, really, because they were just kind of 
efficiently moving it down, you know, seven oh. yards at a time. Okay. All right. So I don't think it'd be that high, but I don't have it in front of me. Um, 32 first downs in 66 plays. That's only been done one other time since 2004, and it was the Giants in 2012. Only one time. So that's kind of fun. And that's uh, that's the number of first downs, that high of first downs with that low amount of plays is the uh, benchmarks there. Um, since 1990, the Chiefs have only allowed three teams to reach 32 first downs. Um, and 1983 was the last time the Chiefs allowed more than the 32 first downs they allowed. Here is the bigger defensive stat that I want to get to that is more than just the Atlanta game. Over the last seven games, the Chiefs are allowing 24.57 first downs per game. Um, last in the NFL this year is Atlanta at 23.8. So the Chiefs is worse than that by .7 first downs. Uh, last in the league last year was the Saints at the exact same number. So we've, we're allowing more first downs over the last seven games than either team than any team has over the course of a season in the last two years. So then I went, I looked back, I started looking this up, going back. I went back as far as 2008, the first downs kept going lower. Basically, no team in recent history has come even close to that for a full season, allowing that many first downs. You said the last seven games, so basically starting after Oakland? Correct. Um, I mean, let's just, at the very least, point out the fact that during that stretch... 21 to New Orleans, who's scoring like 30 a game. 14 to Indy, who's scoring well into the 20s. 14 to Jacksonville, who sucks, but they still are scoring probably 21 a game or something. 17 to Carolina, who's scoring close to 30 a game, despite their 7 points or something against Seattle. Yeah, Carolina was in the top 5 in scoring at the time that we played them. Hmm. Um you know, Tampa Bay, 19, Denver, 27, Atlanta, 28. Like, all of those teams, I probably all of those teams except Denver scored at or below what they're scoring for the season. So, um, I mean, <clears throat> I know a lot of people, uh, Chiefs fans at least, are arguing the, don't measure yards, who cares about yards? You know scoring is what matters, and like, I can't disagree. Um, my question for you, if I can flip-flop this one real quick. Really? Um, I almost wonder if they're doing it on purpose. I know that that sounds really weird and I, and maybe I'm just reducing it down, but like, I feel like when you're looking at a team that's dealing with the kind of injuries that this team has and you're looking at, you know, even like the, the veteran players that, I I mean, this team is tight. We had our buy in week four, man. And, and they're not healthy. I'm wondering if they have made the deliberate decision to let teams move in between the 20s and then say, you know, what is it that we are really good at? We're good at penetrating on the offensive line but not holding up blocks anymore. They're not they're not that traditional 3-4 that's like, you know, keep DJ clean to make plays. No, yeah. we're good at getting up field. Mm-hmm. And we are especially with the defensive line we got now, right? And we're good at trying to force the quarterback into making errors, and it's so much easier to try to do that when you're playing on a short field. So if you can make plays before that, that's great. But don't expend too much of your energy because look at all of the red zone takeaways that this team has. Look at how well they're defending teams in the red zone. Atlanta could have. Made that game get really out of hand had we not forced them into two field goals. They scored on their first three possessions, but they kicked a field goal twice. 
I mean, maybe it's it's batty that I'm even suggesting it, but like I wonder if that's what they're doing. Well, they're definitely a bend but don't break defense. Right? Right. That's the defensive philosophy that they are using, and they're they're saying we have all these playmakers. You're eventually going to throw us one, and we're going to make you pay, mm-hmm. and we're going to stop you when you get down to the red zone. My problem with that. Can they do it to Tom Brady? Can they bait Tom Brady into making these mistakes? Or is Tom Brady just going to go down the field and then he'll be able to operate at a higher level in the red zone and get those touchdowns and avoid those turnovers? Can can this succeed against a guy like Tom Brady? And he's really the only one around anymore. I mean, we just did it to Matt Ryan, who's an MVP candidate. Yeah, um, yeah. We've done it to... Derek Carr, who's an it's the perfect way to beat David Carr or Derek Carr, which we'll get to. But does, does that work against Tom Brady? Does he make those mistakes? Does he get down to the red zone and kick field goals? Um, I mean, typically not. But a he doesn't have Gronkowski this year, um, and we are looking at this in the micro. This is not about like what could, what are we going to do next year or three years from now. This Correct. is this season right yep. now. Yep. Um, so that certainly helps. Um, I would also say though that. Barring injury, we are not going to be dealing with the same kind of struggles that we had in that Patriots game, hopefully. Don't get me wrong, Brady was getting the ball out so fast that it was difficult to affect the pass, but we weren't healthy on defense. They weren't. They didn't have a healthy Justin Houston. He played like six snaps in that game and was primarily... Just, like, I think he went out for three or four, and it was just like, he can't go. Yeah. And you have Justin Houston and well, Dee Ford. I don't, I don't even think Tom you up. can compare this defense to last year's. I think it's a totally yeah. new defense. Right. And, and I mean, look, Tom Brady can beat anybody, any day. Tom Brady, in my opinion, is the best quarterback the NFL has ever seen. And I haven't been able to watch all of the great guys. I got to see, you know, Joe Montana as a shell of himself. But Tom Brady is insane. That dude is just on a completely different level from anybody else, even Peyton Manning. Like, those guys are they're just completely different players. And, I mean, if that's the bottom line, can it stop Tom Brady? I don't know, man. Because I would say that last year, our defense was not that unlike Denver's defense, except Denver was healthy. And for some reason, we couldn't get to Brady, and he was getting the ball out super quickly. And Denver was able to hit Brady like 26 times. Like, Brady hadn't been hit that much, they said, in like eight seasons or something. It was unbelievable what they did to him yep. in that game. Yep. So, I mean... A large part about that? Bob Sutton. Or game plan. Playing in the home. Yeah, I guess that too. Yeah, Playing in the home. I could see that. Um, another, another point? I asked this question because Tom Brady stands in our way. Mm-hmm. And it's great that we can ask this question. Like, we're asking big questions right now. Yeah. Like, can, can we beat Tom Brady? Can, yeah, can, <laughs> can this philosophy work against the best in the league and the best of all time? Feels good. Uh, let's take a quick breather after that deep dive, and then we're going to talk some Oakland Raiders. The games with the Raiders were not games. <laughs> no, games are fun. You know, these were wars. 
That's Lenny Dawson, for those of you that don't listen to 101 The Fox and haven't heard his dulcet tones for a few years. <laughs> please, Lenny... please don't. <laughs> it's, it's gotten... Uncle Lenny's on his last legs as, a, uh, as an announcer. It's gotten worse. Um, but, man... Um, but I'll we... listen to him when he's talking Chiefs Raiders. We talked a little bit at the top of the show about uh, this, this rivalry and, and what it used to mean. Um, and I think that people have tried to bring context to this game um, and kind of like the the reinvigoration of the rivalry, so to speak. Um, it's it's hard to to think about what it used to mean and and make it like that now. When after the game, you know, teams are wanting to swap jerseys, and so much of it is about like the players versus the establishment and stuff like that. But um, that, that I like that. That is the biggest rivalry in the NFL now: the players versus the establishment. Right, right. Well, um, I I wanted to at least talk about um, a few things uh, on Chiefs Raiders. So the the Chiefs have won four games in a row uh, against Oakland. The last loss was a Thursday night football game. It was in Oakland, and the Raiders were zero and ten at the time that we played them. Um, now. During that Thursday night football game, a guy that actually didn't get to play against us earlier this year, their starting running back, Latavius Murray, had a 90-yard touchdown in that game. Yep. I guess um, his first game, or at least his first he only had, big play. He had four carries for 112 yards and two touchdowns in that Thursday in that night game. football game. <laughs> so, That's um, efficient. Something, something to keep in mind about what the Raiders are able to do offensively. Obviously, they're a really, really good offense, and their defense has struggled this year. I think that everybody just kind of knows that about them. Um, but so Latavius Murray, he has eleven rushing touchdowns, and he's only started eight games this year. Tyreek Hill, Spencer Ware, and Travis Kelsey combined have eleven touchdowns. Mm. Latavius Murray scores a lot, and he's a big punishing runner and with the way that the weather is and the way that Oakland plays up front I would not be surprised if they try to come out and play pretty slow and just try to dominate the line of scrimmage as far as their offense is concerned and it's it's odd because the Chiefs offense it's not like you want to keep Alex Smith off the field but I, I just would not be surprised if that's what Oakland tries to do, is just make this game as slow and dirty as possible. We've seen Raiders games in the past where I remember one, and I want to say it was week 16 or week 17 um, in the 2000s, and they just gave Michael Bush the ball like 38 times, and it was literally just like four yards, four yards, four yards, and we could not stop it, and we lost. Are you talking about the rainy one? No, it was, it, was just a different a, it was just a cold day in December. Huh. There was definitely... one of the, me, me and my buddies always joke about uh, the worst game in Chiefs history was when we had that explosive offense. I think it was 2002 when it was like really extreme, like the best offense and the worst defense. Mm-hmm. But Priest Holmes got hurt, and we played Oakland in just like a monsoon, so Trent couldn't throw the ball really. Mm-hmm. And it was... Napoleon Kaufman and Tyrone Wheatley. And oh, that's that's like the rain. Zach Crockett, right? And they just—I think they beat us thirty to nothing, and we just couldn't stop the run. It was just five yards at a time, and it was just like slow torture. One of the worst games I've ever seen. Well, but go ahead. we're not going to be dealing with 
weather. We're just dealing with temperature. We are cold. There's not elements to it. No, I guess. it could be wind. Um, I, well, we'll get to that on Derek Carr. Um, Oakland, an underrated running team. Um, you don't necessarily think of them as a grinded out team, but seventh in the NFL in rushing. And a lot of that is due to their offensive line, which is kind of their calling card, I would say. Kind of the, uh, their, what am I looking for? Definition, their uh, identity. Yeah. Um, most, almost everybody would agree that they have the second best offensive line in the league behind the Cowboys. Yeah. And it's kind of 1A and 1B and nobody else really. Uh, which is kind of funny. I think I think offensive line is going to really come back in vogue with the success of the Raiders and Cowboys. Um, but yeah, the, the seventh in the league in rushing, and you look at the Chiefs, their numbers in stopping the run are still bad. Um, they're better than that with the eye test, I would say. Um, but you still look at a decimated defensive line. Uh, Jay Howard, the latest to go out for the year. Uh, Poe. Not all that effective last week, I would say. Dealing with a back injury, gutting it out, but just not the same player we're accustomed to seeing. Um, I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I could see Oakland trying to run this ball a lot. Well, so a couple things to keep in mind um, just as far as running. You said Oakland's 7th in the league in rushing. Um, as far as like rushing attempts per game, Oakland is 11th in the league and the Chiefs are 23rd. Um, they make a more concerted effort to get the ground game going, or they're more dedicated to it. I would say some of that probably has to do potentially with the offensive line that they have. Um, but uh, uh, another couple things, and uh, you guys just have to forgive me because this is almost like one big deep dive, but uh, to shed some more light on on the, the difference between Oakland running the football and the Chiefs, um, the Chiefs have over 100 yards as a team only four times in 12 games this year. And we only have one time where one player has run for 100 yards. Spencer, Spencer Ware, Ware at Oakland. Against Oakland. And in that game, the Chiefs had 60 yards more than any other game in 2016. We ran the ball 40 times against Oakland in week six or whatever that was. Yep. Oakland only handed the ball off 17 times that game. Some of that having to do with not having Latavius Murray. We had the ball for almost 37 minutes. Like, we did whatever we wanted to. We also did Hungry Pig right in that game. Hey! And it was the one game that we actually like saw Jamal. Jamal scored a touchdown. Come on, it's, awesome. it's mean post screen. How are you going to throw this in my face? Right. I won I a video game with that. Um... Yeah, go ahead. I lost my thought. No, you're fine. Um, we, we talked a oh, little oh, bit. I was going to say, that, that was the Chiefs' best performance as a team this season, I would say. I could hear that. Yeah, I mean, man. I feel like that's how they want to play. They want to dominate the clock. They want to dominate the ball. They want to run the ball. Um, they haven't been able to do it yeah. too successfully. That yeah. was the one game they were able to. And they want to keep it away from Derek Carr, which they were able to. It was just a... I mean, we're in Oakland, and we just massacred them. Like yeah. that was, it wasn't close to the fourth quarter. I, th- I, I think this game is going to turn out a lot like Chiefs-Broncos. I don't see either team getting out to a big lead. I think it's, I think it's just going to be a fight. It's, it's going to be an absolute brawl because I think, generally speaking, I think both teams are, are going to come out, and they're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to overpower the other team who, on defense, is not very good up the middle. 
Now, the Chiefs have the ability to take the ball away, and everyone says, okay, well, the Chiefs are number one in forcing turnovers. Um, let's look at this real quick. Well, before, before you get there, I'm interested to see how the Chiefs' defense plays it. Um, I'm going to make the argument, at least in a little bit, that Derek Carr is going to be playing in the coldest football game he's ever seen by far. Yeah, probably of by his, far. in his entire life, actually. And I, I do agree with you that the Raiders are going to try and come out and run it. And the Chiefs' mantra has kind of been to allow those yards to sit back, take away the big play. I wonder if they come out like that in this game. Are they going to allow Oakland to run the ball, or are they going to press up and, hey, let's see Derek Carr sling this around in the cold. Let's see if he can do it. You're, you're flirting with trouble there. Um, you are. So I mean, it's, a, it's a difficult balance. It's, it's testing the patience of Oakland. I'll say this. I think that the Chiefs have been successful against Derek Carr and against Oakland, and I believe it's because of that style of play. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't blitz. They concede that your offensive line is good. Okay, let Derek Carr sit back there. We're going to throw all his defenders in coverage, and you're not going to be patient enough to take what we give you the entire game. You're just not. You're going to throw us some picks. You're gonna. You're not going to be happy with six-yard gains. You're going to want that 25-yard gain, and you're going to throw us some. And I think that the offense almost does the same thing a little bit, where you look at like the game against Atlanta, and it's... You know, we will be fairly conservative on offense because we have Alex Smith playing quarterback, and we're going to get you to a place where we have a way to exploit you. We will find what that weakness is, and if we have to suck eight or nine guys into the box in order to give Alex an opportunity to really throw the ball where he wants it to, you know, if we have to take advantage of throwing the ball downfield in that way, we will do it. And they may have to be pressured into it, but they'll do it. Um, on the season, um, I was wanting to look at like point differential for each team because Oakland is so explosive on offense. Um, Oakland is plus 46, and the Chiefs are plus 39. We're a touchdown different. Um, so the teams stylistically might be a little different, but they're actually really similar in a lot of ways. Um, so turnovers, we know that the Chiefs are number one in the league. Chiefs are plus 14, and they've given the ball away 11 times this year. So we've, we've turned other teams over uh, 25 times. Well, Oakland has only given the ball away nine times this season. Derek Carr only has five picks. That's, that's one which more. Which is incredible. That's because one every more time, than Alex Smith. Which is, every time we play, I mean, just begging to throw interceptions. Right, right. So, and, and Oakland, as a team, is plus 12. The Chiefs are plus 14. You think, oh my gosh, that number's astronomical. Generally speaking, like over the course of the season, Oakland has been better and more consistent at not turning the ball over and turning other teams over than the Chiefs have because we forced eight turnovers in a single game. So, I mean, the Chiefs are plus 14, but let's say plus six against the rest of the league. And Oakland, I think, had one four turnover game that they forced. But, I mean, it's we're not as amazing as we think, at least as far as those turnover numbers are concerned. Um, another thing to look at, we've talked about the offensive lines a little bit, and especially where we think that Alex has been so great, um, or the offensive line, I guess, has been so great in pass protection this year compared to years past. Well, uh, Oakland's number one in sacks allowed, 12, won a game. That's insane. 
I will point out, though, that D. Ford has two of those 12 sacks. Um, I, I think they were first in the NFL in sacks a lot last year, too. Yeah, and as of right now, they have four fewer than anyone. Great offensive line. Uh, Derek Carr gets rid of the ball. I, I, I can't believe how low his interception numbers, just because I watch him play the Chiefs so much, and it just feels like he'll throw the ball up instead of take the sack. Yeah. And he'd, he'd have a lot of interceptions from that, but he doesn't, so I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, the Chiefs are in a four-way tie for ninth as far as sacks allowed, so they're like they're in the top ten technically, and they have twenty-nine. Like we're talking about close, so close to three times as many as first place, and they're in the top ten. Hmm. That's that's a huge disparity. Um, Oakland's defense, just for those keeping score at home, they have two takeaways in four straight games. They're playing well, and it's. I mean, how much of that is Khalil Mack? Um, some of that is Khalil Mack. He's, he's on a tear right now. But some of that also, as you mentioned, the difference in us playing Tom Brady and Denver t- playing Tom Brady, one of the last four games for Oakland has been on the road, and it was when they played in Mexico City. They've had, they've had technically four straight home games on their schedule. Yeah. And the bye week in there. So they haven't gone on the road in they haven't gone six the, weeks' time. Right. They haven't gone on the road for a while. Um. A couple things to, to look at. The Raiders are 6-0 and since they lost to the Chiefs. They only have two losses this season. Which is incredible. I can't, I can't believe they haven't dropped a game since then. So, some of that, I think that a lot of people are seeing them as, like, lucky. Like, they're not that indifferent from the Chiefs. Some of the games that they've survived during that stretch have, have been pretty incredible. They scored 29 straight points on Sunday against Buffalo. They they have a level of explosion on offense that I'm not sure anyone in the NFL can match. Yeah. And it's like when they get hot, like that Buffalo game, it was just like, I remember they scored and then kicked the extra point to go down one. And it was in the fourth quarter. And they were just confident, like, no, we're going to get the ball back and we're going to score again. And I kind of agreed. Like, I was just like, this is a buzzsaw right now. Like, they are going to go down and score. Yeah. Well, the Raiders finish... They've got, obviously, both teams have four games left. Um, The Raiders, three of their last four are on the road. All three of those road games are against the AFC West, the best division in the NFL, and the teams that know them the best. And the other game that they have is Indy at home. So, don't get me wrong, this game is massive. You really don't want to lose it. But Oakland has chances here to drop other games, too. With, with the, the games well, following this. If we're breaking down scenarios, I think if the Chiefs lose, I think their AFC West chances are pretty much done. Could you're going to need Oakland to lose two of the last three, and you're going to need to win out. Um, and even then, it comes down to tiebreakers, and I don't know if we'd have it over them because we split the season matchup then. If we win, we will have swept the season matchup, we will have the tiebreaker no matter what, and we will be tied in the standings, so it'll be a... You know, match what Oakland does the rest of the way. Um, I I think we are the clear favorites if we win, but I think if we lose, we're pretty much done in the AFC West, in my opinion. I I could see it. Um, I just man, okay. So one of the things that I'm hoping that the weather really affects is that offense that is so explosive and that seems like at times almost impossible to shut down. So since they lost to Kansas City. Oakland has scored 30-plus in five of six games. And in the sixth of those games, they scored 27. Mm. 
Uh, they're really good. Putting up points. Um, the Chiefs are 6-1 and one since beating Oakland, and we finished with three of our last four at home. Um, we also play three of those four games against the AFC West with the lone road game being at San Diego. Um, did, did you see the stat last week that there was no divisional games on the slate last week in the NFL? Really? Yeah, it was like the first time in like 15 years or something. That's wild. Um, a couple things, though, about the defenses. So I, we did talk about how like the turnovers are fairly similar. Um, both teams are good at not turning the ball over and getting other teams to do it. Um when it comes to points, though, which is what we discussed earlier, like that's really the defining factor. It's not necessarily about yards; it's about points. Um, Denver or Denver, Oakland has held an opponent under twenty points just twice this season, and the Chiefs have held seven. So um, it's two different styles of play. I mean, Oakland yeah. comes out and shoots out, and once they're on all kinds of plays and. You know, that kind of game. And the Chiefs want to slow everything down and keep the ball away from you. And it's two different philosophies. Um, I, I want... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw these, uh, what are really the final numbers, out at you. And, and I want uh, some, some genuine reaction from you to tell me if you're <gasps> worried or not. <gasps> um, <laughs> Just practicing, sorry. The Chiefs have allowed over 400 yards six times this season including three games in a row and four of the last five. And Oakland hasn't given up 400 yards on defense since the Chiefs game. Wait, wait, wait. Say again. The Chiefs have... The Chiefs have allowed over 400 yards six times this year, okay. including three games in a row and four of the last five. Yeah. They're, Oakland, they're in this first down streak that I was talking about. Oakland has not allowed 400 yards to an opponent since the Chiefs game. Oh, so you're just comparing the two defenses. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, I don't, I don't. That's granted. That's just that's yards. You know, it's just yardage. And really, the only difference right now, as like the the true quantifiable difference between the two teams, is that the Chiefs lost at home to Tampa Bay. Since the Chiefs beat Oakland's ass at the Coliseum, it's the Tampa Bay game. Yep. Otherwise, both teams are playing really well, so to speak. They, yeah, in different ways. Yeah, uh, that's, I mean, that's something. I, I am genuinely concerned about the defense just because I think when a team comes out with the mindset of we can't turn the ball over against these guys, let's be patient, mm-hmm. then I think they'll have our number. I think that's kind of what Tampa Bay did. Uh, and they, they only turned it over the once, I think, when Jameis just dropped the ball. That was such a weird play. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Chiefs didn't capitalize on it. And it's just like, then it's just two teams playing football and we're kind of... You know, it's it's an even game then. Yeah. As opposed to when you try and get aggressive on us and we got playmakers everywhere, you're going to make a mistake. Uh, those those first down numbers that you mentioned earlier, the Chiefs have allowed 20 or more first downs in six of the last seven games, including five to five games in a row. They're giving up yards. Yeah, and Oakland's allowed 20 first downs just twice since the Chiefs game. And yet we've, we've allowed you know five teams in a row to do it. Um, so Oakland's defense, and I think that this is something that early in the season, when they gave up over 500 yards, like two of their first three games, I think they were averaging giving up 500 yards of offense per game like the first three or four weeks of the year. Their it was defense like a has been, record. Their defense has been better than it was. I mean, it started out absolutely atrocious. I mean, you go to New Orleans in week one, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, part yeah. of it, Khalil Mack was really nothing – 
the first handful of games of the season. He's ten sacks in five games, and now he's just he's completely cool. turned it on. Uh, he was kind of everybody's pick for defensive player of the year this year. And I mean, I think that people, <sighs> and also they didn't know how to use Sean Smith. They didn't know how to use him. I mean, they benched him that first week because he was covering Brandon Cooks. That's not how you use him. They're still trying to figure some things out. They started the year with uh, former Jayhawk Ben Heaney as their starting middle linebacker. He went on IR, and they signed Perry Riley Jr. He's playing well. He's he is. Um, I think he's just got a lot more of the attitude. He's a, he's a Raider way more than Ben Heaney is. Um, and I just uh, I think that if you looked at the team on paper, you saw an extremely talented group of players. And it's taken them a while to gel, and they're still imperfect in many ways, but it's a really good defense. And in the last couple games that I have watched, don't get me wrong, like obviously Khalil Mack is fantastic. Bruce Irvin looks really good. Hmm. I thought against Houston, Bruce Irvin was like, he, he seemed unstoppable. That guy was just all over the field. Um, not like in the backfield the way that Khalil Mack is playing because they've got Irvin like dropping into coverage and using a lot of his athleticism and stuff, but gotcha. he's but he still knows how to get after the quarterback too, man. Looked unstoppable, probably the seventh best out edge rusher in the AFC West. Yeah, but I mean he he looks great and he gets to play opposite Khalil Mack. Um one guy offensively, because I, I think that, you know, if these two teams really just like square off and try to go toe-to-toe and play a pretty straight-up game. Um, One guy that I think that the Raiders can use that can catch the Chiefs off guard, and he's done some really interesting things the last few weeks, is a backup running back who um, has actually just uh, came back from the dead because he's the guy that Derek Johnson absolutely destroyed. But his name is Jalen, and it's it's spelled Richard, but I believe it's Richard. Um, he's their kick returner and it's just like making a ton of plays in, in both kick and punt returns, changing the field for them. He did it twice in the Buffalo game. Um, and then getting these like scat back carries, he's the change of pace back from, from Murray, the big bruiser. Oh, 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 uh, thunder and lightning. There you go. Yeah. That's, yeah. man, did you yeah. just come up with that? No, you know, well, I've been brewing it all week, but yeah. Okay. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. You're um, welcome. And You're they, welcome, America. They have DeAndre Washington, too, I think, is a rookie. And yeah. so he and Richard have, like, the same number of carries. Um, uh, Richard's just, he's he's got something about him. He's he's a big play. I do remember noticing kind of, him last week. Yeah. he I mean, Against Buffalo, he had, um, Buffalo had, like, sort of shanked a punt. They were still winning. Sort of shanked a punt. He returned it, like, 20-some-odd yards and then got the first carry and had, like, a 25-yard carry yep. after that, too. Yep. So that's what I remember. Um, he's, he's an interesting guy. I mean, otherwise, though, they're, they're actually a lot on offense. They're a lot like Denver. When we talked about how the vast majority of the targets are going to the two outside weapons, that's exactly what this is. Their numbers are almost identical except for touchdowns. They're one catch apart. Um, Cooper Cooper's getting more yards than Crabtree, but um, then you got the you got the third receiver Seth Roberts who seems to catch every touchdown this season. Yeah, I mean his numbers aren't as good as you would think. I think yeah, they're not. Like I think he just some odd catches. Or yeah, something, I think he just, but, but he probably has like seven touchdowns. I would guess very timely. Um, inj- All he does injuries catch touchdowns. Come on, come on, TJ. <laughs> That's right with us. 
Uh, that's Chris Carter. Yeah. I don't know where he went to school, though. I can't. I can't. Ohio State. Ohio State? His son went to Ohio State. Chris Carter, yeah. I think he went to Ohio State. Right. Maybe. But you don't remember the, all he does? Catch oh. touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember it. Okay. I, just, I was just off. Sorry. Okay. I mean, you're usually the boomer and TJ kind of guy. I am. thought I we am. had that I kind am. of it's connection. Right. It's all right. From? Hofstra! <laughs> <laughs> um, injuries for this game. Uh, finally, some good news coming hey. out of Kansas City. Um, it looks like, and now they said everybody participated in practice, and it's been called a glorified walkthrough. I'm glad that they're taking it easy this week. Um, also, I got an update there, too. Uh, the hand that I used to slam the coffee table during that Denver game is its really healing for me. That's good. Yeah, so I will, be, back strong. Yeah, I will be a full participant in the game on ready, Thursday night. Ready for 12-ounce curls all afternoon? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Oh yeah, maybe a 16-ounce curl here and there. Oh, all right. Maybe a one-ounce <clears throat> curl. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the low-weight high rep. Maybe a one-eighth uh, ingestion. <laughs> <laughs> Only if we tailgate with Boogie. Um, so, injuries this week. Uh, they say that uh, Gaines and Macklin have been full participants. They're both expected to play. Um, and then the other guys I think that we've obviously been keeping an eye on are Poe and D. Honda. Um, nice. In, in the game against Atlanta, Poe played 65% of the snaps and D. played 35% of the snaps. And at least the way that it sounds like, I mean, I didn't chart this, but the way people have talked about it is that Justin and D were never on the field at the same time during the Atlanta game. I would say hmm. if that is actually the case, that that was a deliberate choice by the team to not let Oakland get a look at what it, having both of them on the field, essentially. That is, I mean, that's it. I, makes me think of the uh, who stays on the whatever side that is the right side. Yeah, but or I no, mean, it'd be the left side, right? I think that if they really have the full complement of Tamba, Justin, and D, and all three of them could go the full length of the game, uh, they're they're going to come loose. I. It seems like they wanted to survive Atlanta, and and it took literally surviving to mm-hmm. win that game. Um. And, but I think that they were really gearing up to try to be healthy this week. I think Gaines could have played, and they said, no, it's fine. I think Macklin could have played, and they said, no, it's fine. Let's let's just try to be ready for Thursday. Another interesting thing was seeing corner Terrence Mitchell out there over DJ White. And Kenneth Acker. Kenneth Acker. Kenneth Acker, active, and like not a single defensive snap. It was weird. Yeah, uh, very strange. I don't... I try new players. played like 30-some-odd plays or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's only really three corners that played. It was Steven Nelson and... Peters going the whole game, and then... And they put Parker out there a little bit. He, he got some corner time because... Well, yeah, but he's... Yeah. Right. Um, I, I... Like, looking at the other side of the field, uh, looking at, at the Raiders, uh, their best defensive lineman, Stacy McGee... Stacy uh, McGee! Stacy McGee has missed a few games earlier this year. Uh, he didn't play last week, and he's dealing with an ankle, and they don't know if he's going to play. Uh, he's he's listed as questionable again. Didn't play last week. Um, with it being cold, that was one thing I was worried about. Macklin is like you want when you're dealing with like a, a muscle thing like the groin, getting warm and staying warm is really important. So like like fully fully <laughs> prepare yourself to watch Jeremy Macklin like on the exercise bike on the sideline to try to just stay loose. 
Um, Fully prepare yourself to get your groin warm and keep your groin warm on Thursday night. There you go. Um, the the other one, uh, my boy, who I had to completely divorce myself of after the NFL draft, but Carl Joseph. Um, he's made a lot of plays this year, hard-hitting safety out of West Virginia. Carl Joseph hurt his foot last week against Buffalo, was on crutches, in a boot, and he's still listed as questionable. They're saying that he's going to try to give it a go. Uh, but a safety that was in a walking boot on Tuesday, probably not in great shape for Thursday night in 10 degrees. Um, so that's two impactful starters in the middle of the field yeah, I hear that. for the Raiders. I hear a defensive lineman out. I think boost to the Chiefs running game. I hear Carl Joseph out. I think boost to Travis Kelsey. Um, and, and we also get the luxury of not seeing DJ Hayden, who I guess at times was playing well, but the last couple games that we watched, um, he was just getting targeted incessantly, like time and time again, and losing those matchups. Um, but he got put on IR, and so now it's TJ Carey, I believe, as their slot corner. Hasn't gotten many snaps this year. So, um... Bruce to Tyreek. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, honestly... I want to see Tyreek on Sean, on Sean Smith all night long. Because I said earlier, all night long. That Brandon Cooks guy isn't what Sean Smith <laughs> is built to do. You know who's Brandon Cooks on this team? <clears throat> Tyreek. And you he know, can't, he just the only fault in Sean Smith's game really, he can't he doesn't have that top-end speed. I mean, we've seen this a lot. We saw Sammy Watkins, he couldn't keep up with him. Yeah. Tyreek's the kind of guy that Sean Smith cannot keep up with. And I would I would not be surprised to see them try to run a number of the like screen type of stuff to his side yeah. where they can use a guy like Conley or somebody to try to block him and then let Tyreek beat TJ Carey yeah. or whoever. Um, I I want to ask you before we go, just we talked about the struggles that the team has had in the run game, and I know that that's sort of become a theme, not only of this show, but I think of just like what people are hearing in the media right now. And maybe people think that it's being blown out of proportion, but... They're, on the offensive side? Yeah. The Chiefs not being able to run the ball. Um, do you... I think that something that we've we've always worried about with Andy is just, like, his love of throwing the football anyways. Like, that he just doesn't seem to be that inclined toward running the football. Well, yeah, I think he's on record of saying you... Damn, I can't think of a quote now. You throw to win the game or... You, I think you two throw to get throw. a lead and you run to keep it or something. Yeah. Is that his quote? I don't know. It could be. I'm going I'm to say it's 75% chance it is. Right. Well, I mean, do you do you think that he should be making more of an effort to get the running game going? We've talked about some of the options that would improve the offense as a whole. One of the things that I think a lot of people enjoy is just seeing tempo, whether it's no huddle or it's just going faster Alex is able to get into more of a rhythm. He looks way more comfortable doing it. And at some point, there's only so much time of, like, you, you don't want to tip your hand. Well, dude, there's four games left in the regular season. Like, we're, we're in the fourth quarter. So, like, I, I don't know when it would be appropriate to, like, try to pull out your ace in the hole. But I wonder if... What's the ace in the hole? Potentially just going up tempo, like oh. knowing yourself enough to say, "Well, look what Alex does when we play like that." Like, gotcha. Um, and so one of the it'd be th- really interesting. 
one of the things I noticed about Atlanta, especially early in the game when they were just like getting these big chunks of yards, they're snapping the ball with like 15 seconds left oh, on yeah. the play clock. Like they like to they go. Moved. They moved. And so I don't know. And and honestly, like another, I say ace in the hole, but I am not opposed to seeing them go to the Wildcat. I'm not. No. Now, not not like in large doses, but if I saw five to ten Wildcat plays a game just to put guys like DeAnthony Thomas and Tyreek Hill and Spencer Ware and whoever else like, that you want to involve in that, and just there's so much about misdirection and we've got all these guys that can get to the edge quickly and, and I mean, Spencer Ware seems comfortable doing it. Like, Well, yeah, I think we're built perfectly to do it because Spencer Ware was a... He went to college as a quarterback, yeah. so he's comfortable taking snaps like that. Uh, and then Tyreek Hill and that, even, are the perfect guys that you want on that jet sweep. Like, we have a really good yeah. um, wildcat offense. Um, but what I was going to say earlier, it's, it'll be interesting if the Chiefs come out and hurry up in this game, and the Raiders are the one that's trying to slow it down by, by running the ball, because we kind of yeah. talked about both those possibilities. That would right. be a, uh, right. a change of identities there. It would. I, I just I just ask, like, if, if Andy's going to do something in the offense, it may not be this week to do it, but when is? When is the appropriate time? Do you wait until the playoffs and try to just unveil something for the first time? Like, in theory, that sounds great, but how much have you been practicing it? Yeah, I, I don't think he wants to play up-tempo. But I think he's fighting the urge to do it. I think we might see it in small doses, but I don't think it's going to be we come out and go hurry up for an entire half. I don't think you'll see that. Despite the success we've seen with the Chiefs doing it. Alex Smith has looked better the last couple games. Um, yeah, I heard some people giving him a, a tough time. I kind of had this in my notes. Um, he only had four incomplete passes. There was the Spencer Ware miss, obviously. Yeah. Um, some people have said Spencer Ware slowed down. I've, I've watched it a few times. I don't really see that. I thought Alex just missed him. Um, yeah, he did. Um, there was the Conley deep drop that hit him right in the hands. One of the, one of so Alex's hard, best passes of the season hard, to the outside hard shoulder. Hard to come down with, though, man. No, no, I it's mean, right in his hands. That's I mean, right in his hands. I thought it looked like a difficult. Uh, There's another deep pass to Conley where I wanted to see Conley. There was the defender who didn't turn around. All Conley has to do is just throw his body into him, and it's an automatic flag. He like, tries it doesn't to, have like, to look... catch it behind his back yeah. and, like, be polite about it instead of, exactly. like, stop and allow the defender to plow into him. Exactly. It doesn't have to look pretty. Like, you don't have to... I mean, you're not making any apologies out here. Run into that guy. Act like you're going for the ball. It's an automatic... It's 35 yards. Yeah. So it's uh, some of the easiest yards. One thing we've talked about before is uh, Torrey Smith, who's... Like, it's a skill. Like, he was fantastic at knowing if the corner isn't turned around, you jump into him, it's a flag. And a P.I. is as good as a catch there. Maybe not on your stats, but it's good as good for the team. It is. Uh, so you had those three for Alex, and then one other incompletion that I don't, I couldn't have in front. Yeah. So that's, that's all he had all game. Everything else was, was hit. And, I mean, I would, I would say that the biggest potential play of the game was missing Spencer Ware. Yep. So like that may be what people walked away with. Um, and you had mentioned like shades of the, the Cyrus Gray miss and the People NBA. loved that tweet at the time. I mean it's <laughs> that's exactly what it looked like, you know. People are not over that playoff loss, let's say that. Yeah, well I mean yeah. <laughs> uh, a few um, things that uh, I haven't heard you really get to the Raiders run defense is super bad. Uh, they're terrible. Second worst in the league, I believe. 
Well, one of their one of their starting defensive linemen, or should have been at the beginning of the year, is a guy they drafted in the same class as Derek Carr and Khalil Mack, um, and and he's been hurt all year. Mario Edwards, um, a guy I think he went to Florida State, and uh, he has not played yet. He just came back to practice, and it's like he's I think the IR like eligible to return, but since he just came back to practice, they have like three weeks to evaluate whether or not. He's going to be activated. Oakland is 29th in the NFL in run defense. They're 31st in yards per carry allowed. Uh, they've given up 30 yards more than their average the last three weeks, and they gave up 212 yards last week to Buffalo. You can run on this team. I mean, it's the number one flaw of the Oakland Raiders. They cannot stop the run. So if the Chiefs can't run on the Raiders this week, then it's a problem. Well, I mean, like I like I had mentioned, the last time they played them, they ran for sixty more yards than they have in any other game this year, and they handed yeah. the ball off forty times. Now it was in the rain, um, but it was. I mean, we knew during the game they can't stop the run; like yeah. they can't stop us. So, and and I guess it some of the it just kind of depends on maybe the health of the running backs, you know, and potentially the health of the offensive line. Hey, Dwayne, 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 yo, mewing it up. Uh, another thing I don't, I don't think we've mentioned, we've danced around, but best I can tell, I couldn't find this factually, um, but I did hear uh, Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal say it, Derek Carr's only played in one game under 40 degrees, and that's in his entire career. I saw some people saying that they thought it was like three or four last year. I've, I've seen people talking about I've this seen, temperature thing. I've seen someone say three times under 45 degrees, I've seen someone say one time under 40 degrees. Um, anyways, in that game against the Chiefs, it was against the Chiefs last year in Kansas City. Uh, he was 31 of 48 for 283, two touchdowns, three picks. Uh, uh, so was that... A lot of throws, not a good yards per attempt, and three interceptions. Was that the game that... He, no, I think it was at Oakland where he like threw a couple in the fourth quarter. That was at Oakland. One return. For, for whatever reason, I don't remember this game very well, but the... Raiders at Chiefs last year. I just it's not fresh in my memory. I have a really good yeah. memory bank for Chiefs games, and that one just doesn't compute. No, it's not. It's not registering too hard for me either. Another uh, one stat we kind of danced around this: the Raiders kind of pulling games out of their ass, um, seven and one in one score games this year. Yeah, and they're undefeated on the road. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, they didn't lose any because they're every single one of those games was competitive. I mean, even the Buffalo game, that's not thats not one of the one-score games, and they were down 15 in the second half. Um, they ended up winning that by two scores. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was 29 in a row in, like, the final 20 minutes. Yeah, they, they can get hot. They can. They can get hot. Uh, so we are going to be out there. Uh, we had mentioned at the top of the show the Santos clan are uh, our big fans, uh, Arrowhead Pride fans and Amateur Hour fans from Bogota, Colombia. Um, and beyond that, the former vice president of Columbia. Yeah, the, the patriarch of the family. A um, big Chiefs fan. A big so Chiefs fan. He and his, he and his uh, I believe it's his two sons, uh, they were in Atlanta last week. Um, and they have come up here. So we're going to hang out with them. Oh, is this funny? They didn't then, have Santos jerseys. <laughs> even if it's, a, if it's a created jersey. Yeah. Um, but really, really excited to meet them, um, and hopefully next week uh, when we come back, we will be able to uh, have like some, some even if it's brief, but like some interview with them, uh, some guys from Columbia that are huge Chiefs fans. Yeah, very so, randomly. Yeah, any very any randomly. opportunity that we have to you know meet 
meet folks like that in just such a, a random way. I mean, it's it's uh, it's really cool. It's a cool testament to what Joel's able to do with Arrowhead Pride, bringing people together like that. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to come and hang out with us at the tailgate, we're going to try to get there as early as we can. And I had, I had awkwardly mentioned at the beginning of the show, like, try to let us know before you get out there. Because that parking lot, it's it's a black hole. There will... Which is a... Man, <laughs> Don't horrible, use that. Horrible Don't use that. Jeez. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a not use your phone kind of day because you don't want to yeah, you take the glove you off your hand and scroll your phone. It's going to freeze. Like, it's going to be uh, an old school environment, I would say, uh, the stadium. We will be uh, in, in Red Reserved on the, uh, the Arrowhead side of the stadium. And, uh, you know, we'll be in a tent that's blue with blue sides. Wow. Yep. Come, come find us. You can't miss us. You're going to find a man that's in head-to-toe Zubas, and that'll be me. How about that? Yeah. Uh, that'll be your identifier. And, and I will be naked. I hope not. <laughs> uh, prediction for the game, Dirt? Uh, I mean, I, I like our chances. I, yeah, I do. I, I think the cold is going to bother Derek Carr. I mean, you can't just... When do, when do teams fly on? Saturday? Yeah, I think usually. This dude is from California. Uh, he went to Fresno State. He plays in Oakland. This dude isn't used to cold weather. You don't just come here uh, and acclimate yourself in two days' time. He's going to be thinking the entire time, I am fucking freezing. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. While I, the Chiefs are going to be thinking, like, did you hear Chris Jones talking all today? He was, he was talking, talking about, about how cold it is. Like, they kept asking him questions. He's like, man, it's so fucking cold. It's <laughs> yeah. so cold. And it ain't even cold yet. We got twenty degrees lower to go. Yeah, yeah um, I think he's gonna be. I don't know, rattled. I, I just don't think he's gonna be as effective. I think it's it gonna would be, be a lot easier for Chris Jones to get warm than Derek. Derek yeah, Carr and stay uh, warm too. Making Chris Jones is like in this right now. Like he's he's acclimating right now. Yeah, Derek Carr's coming from seventy degree California. Yeah, their last real game was in Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, I think the weather's going to get to him. I think the crowd's going to get to him a little bit. I think the Chiefs' offense matches up well with the Oakland defense. I think we're going to be able to run the ball. I think we'll be able to run our offense freely. Um, we're going to avoid throwing at Sean Smith, obviously. Um, Unless Tyreek's on. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident. I see something like 24-20. Now. Let me think on the score. Okay. The score is not important. Okay. Um, I, I, What I can tell you is that I am hyped up. I can't, dude. I like. I, I can't pay attention to anything. Like, all I want to do is talk about the Chiefs and think about the Chiefs. And, like, my countdown, honestly, like, started before Atlanta. I, I sent a tweet saying, like, I really hope the Chiefs are not feeling like me because I am totally unprepared to play the Falcons tomorrow because all I can think about is Arrowhead on Thursday. Yep. Um, I've had tunnel vision for this game since we saw the schedule. Just like I, it's some of it is just the Raiders. You know, I I just I want to go to the Raiders game. Plus, you and I haven't been out there since week one. Right. We've seen a lot of magic right. since then. It's time to to give back to the team. Time to give back. Really, really, really excited for the game. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I have a good feeling. It's just the playing on Thursday and dealing with injuries and and being in the cold and everything. Like 
for some reason I've I just haven't felt that great because uh, primarily because of injuries. But it looks like the team might be somewhat healthy, aside from obviously all the guys that we've lost to season-ending injury. Um, and this team, they keep finding ways to do it, man. Keep the magic rolling, and and so keep the magic going. I I think that we have the Raiders number. Um, and I don't, I don't think that the Raiders are ready yet. Um, I'm, I will stand pretty firmly in the corner with Mike Lombardi and where I said that the Raiders were at the beginning of the season. I think that they're still a year away and they might even be a year away from being a year away. Um, they have so much talent, but they've got to learn to do it. I think that they're too young to, to make like real damage. You can win a lot of games, but you're going to get to the playoffs and and I think you're going to get shut down. And I'm hoping that playing a veteran battle-tested team like the Chiefs, I, I think it's going to be too much for them. I'm really hoping that it is. I'm not sure if you listened to Therese on with Dana today, but he kind of echoed a lot of those same sentiments. And it, he made a really good point talking about the Chiefs had to prepare themselves to beat Denver. They had to take their game to another level to match Denver. Yeah. And they did. But, well, in the, the, the time that they finally were able to beat Denver was the worst game of Peyton Manning's career. Yeah. And, like, when he was a shell of himself, you know. So they took that next step. They finally got there. Mm-hmm. And then I, I thought about it, and it's just like, yeah. I mean, the Broncos come out, and they play a physical brand, man. And they came out, and they intimidate us a little bit. And it got to us. And then I looked back. I, I'm seeing these highlights from the Chiefs-Raiders game two weeks ago. And I'm seeing DJ just mow through this running back. I'm seeing Barry pick up the running back and spinebuster him to the ground. And I think those two plays kind of echo what Therese is saying. The Chiefs are in it for a street fight. And I don't know if the Raiders are there yet. I don't know if they're ready to scratch and claw their way and give what it takes to take this next step. And I think the Chiefs are. I don't think that they're prepared for it either. Some of that having to do with youth and, like, you know, new coaching and everything. Like, I, they're, they're still trying to become a team, I think. It's kind of a... And, and even though they do have, like, this this big offensive line, like, I don't, I don't look at the Raiders as, like, a violent, no. nasty team. Honestly, I look at them as more of a finesse team, especially on offense, because so much of what they do is Derek Carr throwing the ball. And when it starts to get cold and when you play a team like the Chiefs, yep. and especially like the way that the Chiefs showed they're capable of playing over the past three games, primarily, I guess, that Denver game, but just the fortitude that they showed against Carolina and against Atlanta, um, there is no quit in this team. And even if Oakland has you know, come from behind however many times and won close games... I don't think they've been in a brawl like they're going to see on Thursday. And just the whole culmination of short week, arrowhead, weather, and a team that has Derek Carr's number and really has the Raiders' number. I mean, we beat them four in a row. And I'm hoping to make it five. The Chiefs are going to come out ready for a fight. And I don't know if the Raiders are going to come out hoping to score points. Yeah, I think that's going to be the mindset difference between the two teams. And I think that's the difference in the game. I will say I can see that. Chiefs 27, Raiders 17. I will say Chiefs win, and here are the Rolling Stones. This has been Amateur Hour. Hoping to hear quite a few of these when we get out there. Is this the play? 
they they did uh, the last time they were out there, week one. Started bringing back some of the old school. Haven't embraced Gary yet, but I tell you what, every time I get to hear this, this song also means touchdown. Yeah, it is the it's the other bookend yeah. of touchdown out there at Arrowhead. Shit, dude, I didn't prepare a jersey swap. You know, Jamarcus Russell, obviously. <laughs> Uh, do we need to name anyone else or just Jamarcus Russell? I'd go I'd, I'd DJ Hayden. I'd, I'd take a DJ Hayden jersey. Yeah. Um, I hate the Raiders so yeah. much. Man. I hate them so much. I don't know that there's like... Shout out to Randy Moss's open career. He had a, he had a good time there. I he was, like, remember he was washed up and then he kind of went to the Patriots and had a, a bit of a big season? I also really liked Carson Palmer's stop at Oakland. Palmer, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a great time. Yeah, he was great. Out Kerry Collins as a Raider. <laughs> that was great. Competitive, I guess. More competitive than Carson Palmer. They tried. They tried. I don't know if there's like another team. Like, uh, or, or like even like a, a company. Like I did the Raiders more than Evil Core. <laughs> it's my, my, my Mr. Oops. Robot. Hey, I really enjoyed that. Congratulations, honey. You were great. Oh, 